Does it work? There we go. Nice. It's amazing when you can use technology the correct way. Okay, so hopefully you had a chance to look through the bulletin, and uh, you've seen we have a few announcements. The first big thing that we want to talk about is the vaccination um, plan that's happening on on Friday. The first 300 people that come here to get their vaccine get a $20 gift card. And so hopefully you have friends who have not yet had the opportunity to do that. You can let them know about that, um, and they can come here anytime between noon and 6 on June 4th. Um, also, uh, we still have Wednesday night Bible study going on. So if you would like to participate in that, you'll get an email with a link to it. It also has a zoom phone number that you can call in if you don't have access to zoom, uh, a few more weeks of that going on. And then also in about a month, we have vacation Bible school and we need about 10 volunteers to help, uh, with that process. And so if you would like to help with that or can't help with that, um, please talk to Kathy or talk to me. Um, you can do that through uh, phone calls at the office here or anything like that as well. Um, and Holly, gosh, I keep forgetting to say ask Holly, uh, but please talk to one of us about being able to help with those things. Okay, we're thrilled that you're here worshiping with us today. Let's prepare our hearts to worship the living God.
Please join me in the call to worship. Ascribe to the Lord, you gods. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The Lord sits enthroned above the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forevermore. The Lord shall give strength to his people. The Lord shall give his people the blessing of peace. Come, let us worship the triune God. Please stand and join us in the gathering hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Now it's time to pass the peace. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, let us corporately confess our sin to the loving and gracious God. O God of Shalom, we have built up walls to protect ourselves from our enemies but those walls also shut us off from receiving your love. Break down those walls. Help us to see that the way to your heart is through the reconciliation of our own hearts with our enemies. Bless them and us that we may come to grow in love for each other and for you through Jesus Christ. Now a moment for silent confession. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn us? Only Christ. Yet we know that he came for us, he lived with us, he died for us. He rose again to a new life for us and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The Apostle Paul tells us that he prays for us. We know that in Christ's coming God was reconciling the world to himself, that our old life is gone and a new life remain. So know that you have been forgiven and be at peace and pray also for me a sinner. Amen.
Our Old Testament lesson comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year of the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraphim touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite the children to come forward for a children's sermon. Good morning, how are you all? Good, good, that's good to hear. So, do you know what my name is? Mark, okay, all right. Do you think I have any other names? my last name and my middle name. Do you have any guesses as to what those may be? No. My, my middle name is Alan, and my last name is Boyd. And usually the only time that those names were ever used is when I was in trouble, and I heard my mom say, Mark Allen Boyd, stop that right now. Do you ever get your middle names used that way? Yes, right, okay. So, <clears throat> but then I have other names, like I'm also pastor for this church, so some people might call me Pastor Mark or Pastor Boyd. I'm also ordained, so that means I'm called Reverend Mark. And then when I was in high school and in college, nobody ever used my first name. They always called me Boyd, to the point that one of my friends actually introduced me to his mother and said, this is my friend Boyd. And she said, that's a really unique name. Is that a family name? And I said, yes, it is. And they said, that's really cool. I said, yeah, everybody in my family has that name. It's my last name, right? It's kind of silly. But sometimes people have names for for their friends, like a nickname, right? Do you have a nickname? What's your nickname? Liv, okay, that makes sense. Do you have a nickname? Like Butterbean or anything like that? No, okay. Do you have a nickname? No, okay. Well, let's, let's talk about names of God. What are some names when you think of God that, that come to your mind? What do you think of? How do, we, how do we call God? Really easy one. Okay, we, yes, we can, but what, what names do we use when we talk about God? Lord, okay, what else? God, that was the one I was hoping you'd get first, okay, what else? Prince of Peace, okay. Holy Spirit, awesome. One often forgotten about. Okay, good job. How about Jesus, right? And then Jesus taught us how to pray, and he said that we should call God Father. 
Now, that's kind of a cool thing that we get to call God Father. And the, the story that I'm going to read in just a second, not really a story, it's a letter from the Apostle Paul, he goes further and he says that we can call God Dad. Well, that's weird, right? Because I've got a dad on earth and I, I, you know, I usually call him Dad. I am a dad, and four people get to call me dad, right? You get to have a dad, right? And you have a dad, so you get to call that person dad, right? But do you think it's weird or cool that we can call God dad? Both. I think you're right. I think it is weird and cool at the same time. But that's how close God wants us to be with, with not just with God, but also because all of us that believe in Jesus can call God dad. Guess what that means? That means that we're all, as far as God concerned, part of one big, huge family. And so everybody that believes in God and calls God dad, that means we're sisters and brothers to each other. So did you know that you're my sister? Did you know that? Based on the Bible, that's true. That's, now, is that cool or is that weird? Weird. Okay. All right. I'll go with you on that. So that's something that I thought was something neat for us to learn today, that we get to call God dad. So I want us to pray right now, and let's pray to dad. How's that sound? Okay. Dear Dad, you rock, and we love you, and we're so glad that you love us so much that we can call you Dad. Even if it's weird, we think it's cool. We love you. Amen. Okay, go sit down.
Thank you so much. Today's text comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8. Uh, we'll be reading verses 12 through 17. Hear God's holy word. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. May the Lord add blessing and understanding to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for your story, and we thank you, Lord, for the way that you interact with us in the form of story. Today, Lord, we ask that you would bless us with an understanding of this story, and we ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen. Have you ever heard the expression, or maybe even used the expression, they treated us just like family? You heard, I mean, that's not a new learning for anybody, right? No? This means yes, and this means no. I need crowd participation. Okay, good. Yes, we've heard that. All right. So I think, like, that's, that's, that's reserved for usually a good compliment, unless your family is not great to you, then that may be used as a derogatory, you know, phrase. But to be treated as a member of a family, I think... It confers upon a person certain privileges, like they let me just roam through the house, or they just let me fill my own plate, or anything, whatever the blessing is. But you're you're closest with your family. You have family ties. It's the circle of trust, right? It means to share with others a common life shared in mutual interdependence. Being a family is not a solo act. You can try sometimes to remove yourself from a family. You can try to remove other people from a family. But the word family in and of itself means other people are part of your life. God, through the Spirit, not only treats us like family, but actually unites us to his family. That's what Paul's talking about today. And that's, that's an important lesson that I think we have to comprehend. Now, chapter 8 is about midway through the book of Romans. Um, and Romans is, is kind of a weird book to read because it's basically kind of written in an old form of rhetoric. Um, so almost every fourth verse of the book of Romans is kind of answering a, a, a thought that was discussed in the first three um, verses that precede that. And so we're here in chapter 8, so it's kind of built uh, an interesting little, not argument, but a, it's built to this crescendo of we our family. Life in the Spirit is different than life in the flesh. We must be changed because of God's Spirit. So we're no longer obligated to the world dominated by flesh. Here, flesh is seen as a rebellion against God. That life leads to death. All flesh dies, but our spirit remains. And the Spirit of God has transformed us to be the people who are with the Spirit. So our flesh may die, but our spirit continues on. There's another transformation led by the Spirit, and that is an interesting transformation. Paul says that we are transformed from slave to child. Now, we don't, in America now, thankfully, have slaves And that's been not really part of our history for the last 150 years or so. But we have this tragic history of slavery in this country. But slavery has been part of a problem in the world for probably since the existence of of humanity. Since we figured out we could dominate someone else, we tried to do that. And slavery in this instance really kind of is talking about the slavery that existed in the Roman world. It would be virtually impossible to go from slave to child. It's, it's just, that's not something that anyone would ever comprehend doing. 
You may be set free as a slave, but you would never be considered to be someone as a slave who then literally has the position of inheriting everything from owner to yourself when that owner dies. There were weird occurrences where some things like that did happen in the Roman world, but they were rare. And so when Paul is writing about this, he's writing to a group of people who have seen how slavery works in and around the Mediterranean area and in and around um, that that idea from, from Israel and the surrounding communities. It's not something that anybody would ever fathom happening. But Paul is saying, you are literally no longer a slave to this world. You're, you're not a slave any longer. God sees you as a, as a child. Later on in this chapter, Paul would even go as far as saying that we are heirs alongside of Christ, that we can inherit the kingdom of God just as Christ has inherited the kingdom of God. And so we, we need to see the world differently. To be led by God's Spirit means to be changed and having a changed future from death to life. We've changed our relationship status with God from rebellion to obedience. And we've changed our status from enemy to child. And that evidence is coming from knowing that the community can refer to God as Father. Now the only way to give that up would be a very painful separation from the whole family. And I would argue then that this this idea and this verse would be kind of something that we should have conversations with our friends who say, I can have my own beliefs and not be a part of church. I'm tired of church, right? Well, because of the idea that we are Christ's family, we have to be in community with one another. It's not about doing our own thing. It's not about saying, I have my, my belief and my idea. You are welcome to those things, but part of being in God's family is being with the other portions of God's family. To be a member of the family of God promises life and joy in the future. And it's a recognition that a suffering world has something to look forward to. We have to realize that when anybody in our family struggles, one of the body of Christ, any member of that body, we have to do something about that. We have to respond somehow to that person in need. Today is known as Trinity Sunday in the church, and I think it's important for us to remark that our context of our scripture readings today um, are are unique, and then we're also going to talk about what's going to happen in the future. Trinity Sunday is about the halfway point in the Christian year. Our Christian year begins with Advent and ends with Christ the King Sunday in November. So for the next several weeks as we go into November, our text will have us reading about Jesus' healings and miracles and teachings. It's about his work, the work that he did as part of his career. The first part of the year is always about prophecy and about how God is called to do something um, with us through Christ. But this is a transformation Sunday. This is a Sunday when we literally have different readings, we have different ideas and different scope of scriptural encounters. And that's happening today in the Old Testament text, Isaiah 6. It shows a transformation from Isaiah being just an observer to being called to be a prophet. The fire of God's presence cleanses him from sin, and his response is one of obedience. Here I am, send me. Now one could argue that perhaps... um, Anybody that ever goes on a mission trip, or has ever gone on a mission trip, or has ever responded to help other people in need, you could argue theologically that you are led by the Spirit. And you were prepared and cleansed in baptism for that work with the hope of making a difference in the world because of God. Now, as a kid, When we did stuff with the church, it was really more about the trip for me than it was about whatever work we did. I liked, I liked being away. I liked traveling. But as an adult, it always became impactful to me to be on a mission trip and, and see the relationships that you build with the folk that you visit. 
It's not always just about the work itself. It's about the work of building relationships. And that's what the work of a prophet was. So in Isaiah 6, God prepared Isaiah to be in relationship with other people. Now, what I chose not to do today was read from John chapter 3 again, because we've read from it about four times since I've been here, and I started in January. So I said, no, we're not going to read that today. But I want to talk about it, because it's another text that was assigned for this Sunday. And in John 3, the the story that we were to read this time was the story of Nicodemus having an encounter with Jesus, a very popular encounter that has really created an entire flux of Christianity. Jesus says to Nicodemus that you have to be born again from above, born from above. It's been translated as born again, and it's sparked furious, furious debates amongst people. But really, what's going on there is that Jesus is saying you have to be born from God. And, and even Nicodemus misunderstands it and says, how can I be born again? How can I be born from above? I'm already born. But Jesus is saying that the Spirit of God changes us in such a radical way. And the only way to truly be transformed is being transformed by the Spirit, and that's the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God in all of these accounts give us kinship with Jesus. And that's the ability for us then to inherit the kingdom of God as heirs. So in this context, Romans 8 displays the transformation sorry, transformation from living a life dominated by flesh to a life led by God's Spirit. The call for transformation, which Isaiah feared would mean his own death, which perplexed Nicodemus, has become the reality of, as adoption as God's own children. When my son was little, we went to a New York Yankees game. It's a huge, huge part of, of our story. Uh, Jamie tells the story a little differently. Her experience was not quite as nice as mine. She had to sit next to someone that chose not to wear deodorant that day, and it was a very hot day. I loved it, and I loved it. was the first time I got to go to Yankee Stadium. It was after 9-11, and I got to take my kids with me there. And Miller was, I think, two or three. I can't remember exactly how old he was. But <clears throat> as all little children are known to do, they needed to use the restroom at the middle of the game, and, or we had to go get refreshments. But anyway, Miller was holding my hand, and the whole time we were walking you know, to the concession stand, it was, Daddy, can I have this? Daddy, can I have that? Daddy, look at this. Daddy, look at that. And what was really cool, as we were standing in line to get whatever refreshment we were getting, there was another father and son. This was a, an Orthodox Jewish family. And the little boys were about the same age. Miller and this little boy was, you know, holding daddy's hand, except in his words, he was saying, Abba, I want this. Abba, I want that. Abba, give me this. Abba, give me that. And it was in that moment that I truly understood the verse from this text today. Because I've always read that that word, Abba, and thought it was like, super father or something. I didn't know exactly the context of how Paul was Paul was saying that. But what Paul is saying in his Hebrew language, giving it as a gift to the church, we get to call God daddy. And we don't even have to ask for anything because he's already given us the kingdom, his entire kingdom. We're heirs of that kingdom. The gospel of Jesus Christ proclaims that although the world will abandon us, God has claimed us as heirs to be equals with his son Christ, not to have distinctions. I would encourage us all to embrace that idea. We're not really supposed to point the differences out in other people. We're supposed to look at other people as if it's a familial glance. That's hard. That's very difficult to do. But if we have the mindset where we can be in relationship with one another, 
and look at the blessing that differences actually generate rather than complaining and seeing that as a similarity that we have heirship with that other person that God loves each of us equally as a father loves his children. That's the radical change of the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. So let's aim for that. Let's do that in the name of the Trinity, the Father, Abba, Daddy, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen and amen. Now let us stand and declare what it is that we believe in the recitation of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. As we prepare for our offering, we still are not passing the offering plates, but if you would like to make an offering this day, uh, you can do so out in the fellowship hall. And for those of you that are worshiping at home, you can click the link and donate to the work of the church. But let us prepare our hearts to receive the blessing that God is calling us to be givers.
Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for the gifts that you have given us in this life. Lord, as we return a portion of these gifts back to you, we ask God that you would send your spirit upon us and allow us to know your will for our lives and for this church. We ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen. You may be seated. Let's prepare our hearts to lift our petitions to our Lord and to our King. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the joy it is to know that we are your children, heirs to your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that you came to earth and showed us that and taught us that and sacrificed your son for the purpose of saving the world. Seeing us, Lord, as your children is a comfort for us, and we thank you for that comfort. But God, we also, as your children, come to you with petitions. Questions, as children always have, like why, and how, and when. Lord, you know the burdens of our heart. You know the questions that we ask before we ask them. And yet you are still patient with us. Teach us, Lord, also to be patient as we await your response. We're thankful, Lord, for the freedoms that we have in this country. We thank you, Lord, that there are men and women who have sacrificed ultimately their life in the service of this country. As we honor those sacrifices tomorrow, Lord, we're remindful that you gave the ultimate sacrifice. We're thankful for the freedoms that we get to have, and we thank you, Lord, for the freedom to be your child. We know, Lord, that our sisters and brothers in other parts of this world don't have those same freedoms. We pray, Lord, for the persecuted church, those who worship in secret, but also those who pray boldly. We're mindful, Lord, of the persecuted church in the Middle East, in China, parts of Vietnam. Lord, we ask that you would continue to give them strength. We pray, Lord, for our president and the leaders of our nation. We pray for our governor, for the leaders of the state. We pray, Lord, for our mayor, for our township leaders. God, we ask that you would continue to be patient with them as they attempt to hear your still small voice. We pray, Lord, for the men and women who will come this Friday to be vaccinated. We're thankful, Lord, for the ability to vaccinate. We pray, God, for those who are still unvaccinated, who are hopefully, Lord, going to have that treatment soon. We pray, Lord, for those who have lost loved ones to this horrific pandemic. We pray, Lord, for relief, that this can be something behind us, that we can look forward to a future without this disease. God, because we are a community of faith, we pray for those who are seated to our right and to our left, in front of us and behind us. And in the stillness of this moment, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Holy God, we are amazed by your grace and the glory of your ways. We thank you that you sent your Son to earth to show us how to live and to teach us also to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as we meditate on our closing hymn, We Are Called.
kind of a neat thing for me to imagine uh, how other families function. Uh, part of the work that I do as a chaplain is get to meet families at some of their most trying times. Um, and it's interesting to see how they react to news, especially in the emergency room. Some people get very, very angry with their loved one for having the audacity to get sick. Some people are, are filled with emotions in other ways. And some people sit there as if nothing is happening. And it's, it's strange to me um, how people drill, deal with that trauma. But I also think it's, it's neat to see the joys of those families as well. I've not yet seen somebody get angry that a family member has been healed, but I'm sure that maybe that could happen from time to time. But if we, if we look at the microcosm of what happens to, to families in hospital during trauma and, and challenging times, it's also it's, it's something that we can look at at the macro level as well within the church. Unfortunately for me, I think churches are filled with divisions. I mean, each one of us as a protester, right? Those of us that are Protestant, we've divided from what the Catholic Church believes is the only church. And that's a, it's a long and storied history, and it's traumatic, and it's horrific. But there's also something for us to look forward to. At some point in time, there will be a family reunion where all Christians come together, and that is the kingdom of God. So while we may be divided here and we may hear tragedies and things like that that occur within our family, we should always be focused and be kingdom set on the future, that we're working on this earth in such a radical way that we're going to finally recognize everybody else on earth is family. If we were to have that mindset, think how much more there would be joy in the world. Think about how much less tragedy might exist. The end of wars is promised in the Bible. I hope that happens one day. I hope we get there because we're one big family and we need to start acting that way, especially if we call ourselves a Christian. Amen? Now receive the blessing of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May he be with us all until we meet again, either here or his glorious kingdom come. Amen and amen. Happy Sunday.